the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 6970. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, a biblical warning from Philip de Corsi. Do you know how Christians are described in the letter of Jude? Those who are plucked from the burning. My friend, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ who paid the debt of your sin, you will pay for that sin yourself. Because God has a day of judgment planned. And that time is coming. Don't mistake his patience for passivity. motivates you to listen up and kick into high gear? Well, sometimes we're driven by the hope of a positive reward. Other times it's the reality of pending and serious consequences. Today on Know the Truth, we'll see that both kinds of motivation can help us get moving in the right direction. Philip DeCourcy is teaching from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's here we find profound lessons on making the most of our time. Philip has titled our current series in Ecclesiastes, Quest for the Best. And here's today's message. Solomon is adamant that God has certain purposes for all of us to fulfill, and God has certain pleasures for all of us to enjoy before the sun sets on all of our lives. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die, and in the in-between, we must seize the day. We must make our mark in life, and we must seize the day confidently, joyfully and urgently. I think that's a summary of the, the message of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Because as we saw from verse 1 on, God has ordered our lives according to his sovereign plan and within his sovereign purpose. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And according to verse 11, God will make it all beautiful in his time. We as Christians, we as those who fear God can live confidently. We should seize the day with confidence. Because we are not at the mercy of blind fate. We are not in the grip of natural law. We live our lives in the palm of his sovereign hand. The implication of the sovereignty of God is that in the ultimate sense, every day is a good day, even the bad day. Because he works it all together for good. You are enduring certain things right now. But in the midst of that, you can also enjoy certain things right now, such as life. Happiness is a today thing. It's found in the simple things. It's found in what you perceive to be that which is bejeweled by God's goodness and mercy. Oh, we're to seize the day because 
God has ordered our life, and we can seize it confidently, and we can seize it joyfully, but we also must seize it urgently. This takes us to the back end of this chapter. Why should we seize the day urgently? Because Solomon tells us that really when it comes down to it, as the animal dies, so man dies. We all go to the one place. We all will fertilize daffodils someday. That's the destiny of all flesh. And therefore, when you grasp the fact that time is a perishable commodity, then life is not to be wasted. We are creatures of time. We live within the boundaries of our everyday experience. But there is a dimension to life that is timeless. And we don't think enough about it. We've become so rooted in life that we forget that someday we will live forever somewhere. And it will either be glorious in the presence of Jesus Christ or it will be horrid and dark should we die without Jesus Christ. Oh, we need to think about it. And you know what? When you scratch beneath the surface of a man's thinking, he does think about it because God has planted that idea in his heart. Solomon believes that God has sown into the lining of a man's soul a sense of concern for his future. Man is fascinated with his fate about what lies ahead. And this passage tells us that man has this anticipation of eternity. Not only does Solomon talk about a sense of eternity that awakens man, but a sentence within eternity that awaits man. Every man, woman, and child will have their day in God's court. Think about that. That's what Solomon says here. In fact, this is where the book will finish. Chapter 12 and verse 14. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. According to King Solomon, God will judge all men and all matters on a future day. He has determined the period. He has determined the person. In fact, if you go over to Acts chapter 17, Paul speaks to those who are very religious. He introduces to them who this unknown God is. He says, hey, you have many gods, but you've missed the one true and living God who, according to verse 31, has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. Who is that man? It's the man, Christ Jesus. He'll either be your mediator or he'll be your judge. The choice is yours. But there's coming a day when God will judge this world in righteousness by Jesus Christ. And if you want to know that's going to happen, then look at the empty tomb. Because God proved it in the raising of Jesus Christ from the grave. There's coming a cataclysmic day when righteousness will be rewarded, wickedness punished. In fact, look at verse 15 in chapter 3. God requires an account of what has passed. Solomon seems to say that time goes swiftly and gets away from us. God keeps track of it and will at the end of time call it to an account. God is keeping a record And that record is written in indelible ink that won't fade with the passing of time. And someday the books will be opened and each life will give an account of itself. And that's an important thought, isn't it? And this whole idea of judgment is set against the backdrop of perceived and unpunished injustice in this world. That's what triggers this statement. 
verse 16 triggers verse 17. See, Solomon acknowledges that life under the sun is full of inequity and injustice. He says this is one of the vanities of life, that sometimes the bad guy wins. Sometimes the crook gets away with his crime. Sometimes truth is on the scaffold and wrong is on the throne. Look at verse 16. He says, I looked under the sun and in the place of judgment, wickedness was there. And in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. Those are repetitive lines in the Hebrew text. And when a phrase is repeated, it's often for emphasis. This is a great injustice. This is something that's there. And perhaps Solomon is taking up this issue because people might say, well, you've said that God makes everything beautiful in his time. And you've said there's a purpose for everything under the sun. What about injustice? Where does that fit within the sovereignty of God? A just God? A holy God? Well, Solomon, look out your door. In fact, walk up the steps of the courthouse and go in and you'll find in the very place of justice, injustice. That's what verse 16 means, in the place of judgment or in the place of justice. In the courthouse, there is injustice. You'll find villains dressed up as judges in the pocket of big crime or big business. And the little man gets stomped on and his case is never heard. What about that, Solomon? Where does that fit in to every purpose and time and season under the sun? Well, Solomon's answer is God will judge the righteous and he will judge the wicked and there will be a time for justice. Now, the implication may be that that time comes within time, but it certainly doesn't rule out. And I would think more properly anticipates that that justice comes after time. Wrong will not forever be on the throne. God's answer comes in reminding his readers that those whose hearts are not pierced by the sword of God's temporal justice will be cut down by the axe of God's eternal judgment. We need to hold on to that. In fact, I'd love to turn to it, but time won't allow me. Psalm 73, you see this played out in the life of a man. And he's bothered by the fact that valiant men are winning. Crooks are prospering. And he says, have I washed my hands in vain? You know, what's the point of following God? It doesn't get you anywhere. You get stomped on. The good guys become mincemeat. The bad guys win. What do you read? You read in Psalm 73, read it later. It's one of my favorite passages. In fact, when I was a police officer in Northern Ireland, and I literally had to walk down the street of men I believed that were involved in murder, but got away with it. I often turn to this psalm. And then there comes a point in the psalm where the psalmist says, but then I went into your sanctuary. I went into the house of God, I heard the preacher, I listened to the word, and I got a whole different picture. God's judgment may grind slowly, but it grinds surely. And read that in the end, I saw, or he says, I went into the house of God, and then I saw their end. Awful, awful end. A horrible end. Where they go to the place where the worm never dies, to the outer darkness to the backside of God's presence and blessing. It's an awful end. And all of a sudden, the psalmist finds his feet again. And in fact, he probably begins to pity the very people that look like they're getting away scot-free. Remember that. My friend, when you get all worked up about injustice in this life, you're forgetting the doctrine of eternal punishment. 
Go into the house of God. Read your Bible. Look at their end. There are five minutes in the spotlight. Won't be worth it. Pity them. Pity them. In fact, win your enemy to Christ because he lives under the sword of God's impending judgment and his end will be awful. You wouldn't wish his end on your enemy. Solomon reminds us of that here. In fact, in the context of the book of Ecclesiastes, this truth of man's future accountability before God is an important theme. Because listen, does this not make sense? If you're going to have purpose in this life, you'll need to have an accounting of your actions. The doctrine of God's judgment is an important doctrine for a whole lot of reasons. And one of them is it brings purpose to life. You say, Pastor, make sense of that. Well, listen, if there's no God, and if there's no judgment, and if there's no accounting and no consequences to one's actions, then man is free to act improperly and impulsively. Because it doesn't matter in the end. That's where humanism leads us. That's where the doctrine of evolution leads us. My friend, the doctrine of evolution is a sad and pernicious theory of life because it turns men into animals and it turns life into a jungle where people prey on one another because they have no thought of God, no thought of judgment, no thought of accountability. It cuts the throat of any motivation to do right, pursue Christ. Hopelessness and lawlessness go hand in hand. Listen, when you believe it cannot get any worse, there's no reason not to do worse. But Solomon's dealing with the vanity of life, and he wants to remind us, but there is a God, and there is judgment, and there is a final accounting, and our choices have long-term consequences. Tell me this. Who's the most dangerous man on planet earth? I'll tell you who he is. He sits on death row in many of our state penitentiaries. He's got no chance of appeal, no chance of repeal. Therefore, he's the most dangerous man on the planet because whatever he does, there's nothing to lose. It can't get any worse. Why not do worse? If you've murdered one person, why not a prison guard? It's not like your sentence can get any more horrible. You see where that kind of thinking leads? And that's Solomon's reminder to us. And it fits within this whole the corpus of this book. Be reminded that although life is fleeting, our actions count. And there is a time that God has purposed and planned for the judgment of mankind. And it is sure to come. And it will be swift when it does come. And it will be like a thief in the night. Therefore... You and I need to seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. We need to realize that today is the day of salvation. God says today, the devil says tomorrow. There is a time for judgment, but all in God's good time. And don't mistake his patience for passivity. Peter would remind us of that, wouldn't he? When he says, hey, God made a promise long ago. And people say, yeah, our fathers told us that. But, you know, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever it will be, is. It's been the same since they've said that. Blowing smoke. Peter says, hold on a minute. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
God's patience must never be mistaken for passivity. God is holy, my friend. There is a day of judgment. He has appointed it. I know the modern theologian wants to sweep the ashes of Sodom and Gomorrah under the proverbial carpet, but God will judge sin and God will judge the sinner. And if you do not die in faith and live in loyalty to Jesus Christ, your end is a horrid one, a horrible one. And therefore, do not pass up the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. Do not mock the patience of God. There's an old story told of the farmer who challenged God and took on his religious neighbors at the same time. He lived in a community that sought to honor the Sabbath. And so no work was done on a Sunday, even in that community. But he got a bumper crop that year and he wrote to the local paper saying, quote, I've been conducting an experiment with one of my fields. I've plowed it and sown it, irrigated it and tended it on a Sunday. And it has reaped me the biggest harvest of all my fields. I want to tell you that. When the editor of the newspaper read that comment, he added as a footnote, Sir, God does not settle his accounts in October. My friend, there's only one way to survive the coming judgment, and that's to put your faith in the one who took the judgment of God. You wonder what all that darkness was about that afternoon on Calvary's Hill? Darkness is the symbol of God's judgment. And amazingly, Jesus Christ, God's Son, bore our sin in his own body on the tree. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He took our judgment. He became the lightning rod for God's wrath against sin. That's why when we put our faith in him, according to John 5, 24, we pass from death unto life. And listen, isn't this glorious? We will not come into judgment. We will not come into judgment. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Do you want to know how Paul describes salvation? Salvation isn't described in the New Testament as something that bolsters your self-esteem. It's not something that's described as the panacea to broken relationships or the path to health and wealth. No, I'll tell you how he describes it. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10. Through the Son of God, we have been delivered from the wrath to come. We need a new crop of hell, fire, and brimstone preachers because God has a day of judgment planned and he has appointed the person who's going to oversee it. And that time is coming. Don't mistake his patience for passivity. And my friend, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ who paid the debt of your sin, you will pay for that sin yourself. And that means hell forever. Do you know how Christians are described in the letter of Jude? I love it. Those who are plucked from the burning. That's a real picture of a Christian. Because that's what Jesus Christ came to do. To save us from the wrath to come. Just this week, I was reading something of the life of John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church. When he was a boy, he almost lost his life. Did you know that? There was a fire in his father's rectory. And the family all got out but John. And he was left to burn on the second floor in Epsworth, England, until a neighbor heard his cry from a window and rescued him. And God used that in a number of ways in John Wesley's life. 
John Wesley believed that God had spurred him for a special purpose, and later on he was to become a wonderful evangelist and win many people to faith in Jesus Christ. And then he often used that as a picture of the danger mankind was in, that man's life is a burning building that Jesus Christ has come to rescue him from. He died February the 9th, 1750, 40 years after the fire. You know, he wrote his own epitaph. Here's the words he wanted on his gravestone. Here lieth the body of John Wesley, a brand plucked out of the burning. My friend, he wasn't just thinking about the fire in the parsonage. He was thinking about the very flames of hell itself. They're real. It is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. But if you'll put your faith where God put your sin, you can pass from life unto death. And hallelujah, you'll never, never, never come into judgment. Don't you want that? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this trumpet blast in our deaf ears. We thank you for reminding us to seize the day as the sun sets. There is a clock and it's winding down and we all have a date with destiny. Lord, help us to live life confidently, live life joyfully, live life urgently. God, help us to anticipate eternity and to live for what is eternal. Help us, Lord, to think of that adjudication, that judgment, that sentence that awaits on the other side of the veil and the valley. Oh, may we flee to Christ today, our Savior, who bore God's wrath for us. May we nestle beneath him like a check beneath its mother's wings. Lord, may he become the cleft in the rock for us to hide us from that future judgment. Lord, help us indeed to have eternity in our eyeballs. Lord, help us to live righteously. Help us, Lord, to pity those who seem to get away with their sin and take some false comfort in it as if God is indolent. God's a doting old man. Oh God, you will awake someday and it will be nightmarish for this world. We pray for them. We pity them. We long for them to come to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. A solemn reminder of the coming judgment and the hope we find in Jesus Christ. You're listening to Know the Truth with pastor and Bible teacher Philip DeCourcy. If you miss any portion of today's message, you can hear the entire program by going online to ktt.org or order the complete Quest for the Best study on CD when you call 888-644-8811. And thanks for remembering that, like other nonprofit ministries, Know the Truth depends on your generosity. And when you give today, every dollar of your donation goes right into the production and distribution of this daily Bible teaching program. Call in a one-time gift today at 888-644-8811 or become one of our monthly Truth Ambassadors. You can sign up to give a monthly donation at ktt.org. And when your donation is $20 or more today, Pastor Philip would like to send you a book by Philip Ryken titled, Why Everything Matters. In this commentary, Riken takes the flip side of Ecclesiastes, reminding us that nothing is meaningless and everything matters. That's why what we do with our time on this earth is so important. 
Learn to live life to the fullest when you request your copy of Everything Matters. Just donate $20 or more online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. You can also send your gift to us by mail. Just write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And when you visit our website, be sure to let us know how this ministry is impacting your walk with Christ. Now, if you're new to Know the Truth, we'd also like to send you a free CD message from Philip titled Chasing Pretty Bubbles. It's another practical resource you can request at ktt.org. Again, that's ktt.org. That's all our time for today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Come back tomorrow when Philip opens to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 for a message titled Watch Your Step. That's Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The Best of Enemies, starring Academy Award nominee Taraji P. Henson. I play Ann Atwater, a civil rights activist who was able to approach hate with love. And Academy Award winner Sam Rockwell. For all the better you don't get in my way. Well, I'm going to get in your way. If you change one heart, you can change the world. I have a revival. And then you ought to know, same God made you, made me. The Best of Enemies, based on the untold true story. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters April 5th. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. I want to make it very clear what the Word of God says specifically about how the believer is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about a relationship to Him that affects everything we do every single day of our life. Hear the series, Living in the Power of the Holy Spirit, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Weekday mornings at 1130 on EM 780, WAVA. As parents and grandparents, three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.